Okay, like Vitz is a different kind of pool than uh, Tux or Stellenbosch, for example. But that doesn't negate the fact that I am an outlier. You know, I had very few people in my class who were older than me. Um, okay. Lots of people half my age. <laughs> I was getting invited to 21sts again. It was weird. Yeah, oh no, it was fun to a point, and then you realize, like, I'm getting old. <laughs> Welcome to the Medically Inclined Podcast. My name is Daniel Ostazen, and this is where we talk about improving your life as a medical student slash professional. We also touch base on multiple specializations within the health profession to gain some clarity and insight into those fields. Today we're talking to Dr. Simon Fraser, a first-year intern at the Charlotte Metneke Hospital. He is also the creator and host of the Dr. Coffee podcast that discusses and gives insight into the medical field. You can find his podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at Dr. Coffee. You can also follow him on Instagram and YouTube under the handle DrCoffeeZA. This is part one of two, where we dive into the backstory of Simon and how he pursued medicine. We hear the origin story of how Dr. Coffee came to be. We also gain some tips on how to balance work and family. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. Medically Inclined Podcast, here we go. Our first episode is with Dr. Simon Fraser, a.k.a. Dr. Coffee. Hey, hey. That's <laughs> it's, <me>. all, <laughs> it's awesome to have you here in your house. Thank you so much for having me post-call as yeah. well. Oh. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. It was a major stretch uh, to to make it to this interview. You know, the 20 meter walk from one side of the house to the other. I mean, also we did carry like a, a very heavy table. I had no idea that this was going to be as intense and as heavy. <laughs> no, thanks yeah. for having me on the podcast. I'm excited for what could come out of it. Um, and I think you have got an interesting um, thing happening here, a good project to get behind. So thank you for the opportunity as well. Thank you for the time that you are now going to spend with me. So I'm going to start off just asking straight off the bat please just tell me a little bit about yourself the the trajectory from you know not being a medical student mm. to being a medical student and then later we can get to that transition from med student to intern well Dan like all good stories my story begins with a woman nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before that chapter let's just d dive into a bit of a prequel uh, I always wanted to do medicine um, medicine was something that interested me from high school. I was on the first aid team at my at my high school at King Edwards and wanted to do medicine out of high school. I didn't get in. Um, I was the eldest of five kids with a single mom and um, my mom divorced my dad okay. during high school and things, my marks just took a bit of a dip. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't get the kind of matric that I think I should have or that I would have deserved. Um, if you looked at my beginning of high school versus my end. However, um, I went on a bit of a journey. I did a bachelor's of science degree at WITS to hopefully prepare myself for medicine. Mm. Um, WITS at the time had launched the GEMP program, the Graduate Entry into Medicine program. And I thought if I did a bachelor's in science, then I could enter that program. So medicine was still on the cards. Yes. Uh, and I was working as a student to pay for my degree. I was spinning bottles in clubs Damn. and news cafe and places like that, uh, sacrificing my social life to help others have theirs. Okay. <laughs> um, but that was to pay for my degree. And towards the end of my degree, I had to come to a very hard discussion with myself where I realized 
I was working three nights a week to pay for a BSc, um, which was essentially half the price of medicine at that point. And it just became a realization that medicine was probably a bit of a lofty goal at that point. So I got very involved at our church as a volunteer and then ultimately became a full-time staff member at our church. Okay. Interestingly enough, the first role I had yes. at church was making coffee. Oh, knacker. So, <laughs> so they were opening a coffee shop. And I was a student, right? I was a bartender. I was in the service industry for a few years. And so when the coffee shop was opening, I said to them, look, I've got four years of experience in the service industry. I can do this for you, you know? Um, So I started making coffee. And you can imagine my mom's reaction when I told her (laughs) that I was giving up on my dream of being a doctor to go make coffee at a church of all places. Uh, So, so... Yeah, I started making coffee at the church, got very involved at church as a staff member then, and that's where I met my woman, my, okay. my wife. Um, we met there. She was also on staff. And uh, we got, I mean, I'm obviously sum- summarizing. <laughs> it happened in like two days. <laughs> I'm summarizing many years, yeah. Uh, we got married and uh, had beautiful kids. And after we had already had two and a half kids, because we had two and one was on the way, um, my father-in-law came to me. And said, look, medicine was your dream. Money was the issue. I have the money. Do you still have the dream? Mm -hmm. And things had fallen into place along the way that when he said that, it wasn't like, no, I'm serving God in church. I'm fully committed to this. Go away. Things had happened that when that came, I recognized this as as an opportunity. And I had already been kind of brewing something in my heart of like, would I go back to medicine? He and I hadn't had conversations up to that point about it. So I really felt like it was a God opportunity. It was just the perfect timing. But there was a lot of fear. Um, just, so, just to kind of really drive it home, uh, we had two small children. At the time, my oldest was three and my little girl was one. And as soon as I quit my job, yeah. we found out we were pregnant oh, with our third, okay. like literally so, the same week. Then. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a real test of, mm. of faith and of our commitment to that decision. Yeah. Because it was like no taking backsies, you know. Yes. <laughs> um, so I and, – and at that point, I didn't have a place in medicine guaranteed. Okay. I did an honors degree at WITS. I went and spoke. So here's a, a top tip, if I can put it that way. Yeah, please. Go and speak to people. You know, I went and spoke to the senior faculty officer at WITS and said, what are my chances? Mm. You know, I'm 32 at the time um, and I want to do medicine. What should I be be thinking about? And she said, look, your your BSc degree, your marks weren't, weren't that hot. Yeah. Uh, she, was, she was honest. She said, you passed, but you wouldn't qualify for an honors degree in, in many programs. But your theology marks yeah. are excellent. Now, um, GIMP, you can, gra- you can enter with a variety of degrees, okay. but, you know, a PhD in music is not necessarily as competitive yes. as a science degree, yes. you know? So I said, um, let me do a honors degree in science okay. to improve my chances of getting yes. into medicine and get the same kind of marks as yes. I was getting for my theology, um, degree. And so I ended up being accepted for an honors degree in paleontology. Oh, wow. So I'm a okay. published paleontologist nice. as well. <laughs> wow. Um, 
And all the while, we, I mean, our youngest uh, son was born at 28 weeks at the beginning of 2017. Jeez, okay. So, and that, is that when you started? That's when I was honors. doing honors. Okay. Yeah. So, so we had a baby in hospital for five months. Me doing honors and starting to prepare oh, oh for the entrance exam for medicine. <laughs> okay, so a lot it on was your a very interesting year. Oh. Um, a great test of of faith, and do we really believe that this is you know what we mm. want to do and what we're called to do? Um, my wife was a fantastic support during that time. I can vividly remember there were times when I would literally say to her, I'm not here. Mm. For this whole weekend, I don't exist. Okay. You need to look after these little people. <laughs> I need to stay. Or I'd go to Mag and Bean from 7 o'clock in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Just grind. And, and, and literally just study. Excuse me. So uh, in the end, uh, I passed the test, nice. got into medicine. Um, my results were final on the 7th of December and on yeah. the 8th of December that email popped in oh. and said like you've been offered a place and I shouted <laughs> babe I'm going to be a doctor I've literally just been accepted to med school I'm going to be a doctor that's so cool um, but it was great um, okay. so so then I mean again summarizing number of years mm. uh, went into GEMP 1 which is third year at WITS yeah. and completed the four year GEMP program graduated at the end of 2021 yeah. um, many Ups and downs, bumps in the road along the way as well. Um, uh, but yeah, graduated, glad to say. It's incredible. (laughs) It is incredible. I do want to go back because obviously juggling a family, juggling the fact that you are still trying to get into medicine, therefore you need to perform. And then you still have to study on the side for the actual, you know, the WAPT test, I think. I don't know what it stands for. I just know WAPT. So it stands for WITS Additional Placement Test. Okay, cool. Um, um, but you know, like having to balance all of that, that must have been crazy. I think that must have been something that you know really took a lot out of you. Like what what actually aided you in getting through all of that? I think. Um, okay, look, without trying to sound like too much of a hero, okay. um, discipline is important. Okay. Um, it's also you have to do a little bit every day. Mm. Uh, every every day that I wasn't reading or learning something was a day I was falling behind. Okay. Having said that. Were there times that I pulled all-nighters? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the WITS additional placement test, the, the WAPT exam, you don't have to get 100%. Okay. And that for me was also a comfort as well, mm-hmm. was that if there was a, a situation or a, a section that was really tricky, I would say, okay, this might come up in the exam, but I'm going to focus on everything else and then come back to this. And there were very few sections that I didn't read. Yeah. Um, I tried to read everything so I knew at least something about everything because at that stage, I don't know if it's still like that, but the exam was multiple choice. And so I knew that if you have a multiple choice exam, typically if you at least know something, you're you're easily able to – identify one or two of the options that don't okay. that, that so are incorrect you can see what's wrong completely. so if you start with four options and you can say that two of them are wrong now it's 50 50 oh, oh, it's a good gamble okay cool um so so yeah so read everything and and that's a good approach to medicine even just make sure you read everything you know because um, there's just so much to get through um yeah so so discipline definitely having a good support structure was was also very important like I say, there were times I could say to my wife, please take the kids. Yes. Likewise, she could say to her parents, I need help. Yes. Um, the people that I was studying with understood why I was doing paleontology. Right. Although they might have wanted me to pursue further studies in paleontology, they understood that the reason I was doing it was mm. because I wanted to get into medicine. Okay. So my course coordinator or invigilator, my supervisor, 
when I was preparing the final five days mm. for the WAPT, I had an essay due. Okay. And I said to him, listen, I'm grinding for these five days. And he said, that's fine. Get it to me the day after the exam. That's very nice. Oh. So I still had to push. Like after writing the exam, I went home and typed furiously to finish yeah. this 3,000-word essay. But Jeez. he at least recognized that one was – more important than the other in terms of determining my yeah. future. It's very nice, actually. I don't yeah, think so it's important. Yeah. You can't get anywhere with uh, without people. It, it can't get anywhere in life mm. without people. Um, I'm very much the product of other people. The opportunity that I got was because of my father-in-law. The only reason that I was able to make the most of that opportunity was because of other people as well. Um yeah, so I would say that as much as it does depend on you, be strong, be disciplined, but also don't overlook the people around you. People around you. Okay, well, I guess that is a good point uh, or a good tip because oftentimes I think even as students, you do tend to forget, even if it's your parents or your significant other, that they also sort of go through it because oftentimes you're not really, even though you might be there, you're not actually present as much as you should be because you're constantly worrying about the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Yeah. And uh, I'm assuming it's probably the same even now. So that's why I'm going to move into internship from, you know, medical student. Well, you know, obviously medical student yeah. to internship. What was that transition like? Because, you know, obviously as med students, we're not actually, you know, aware of what is to come as much so. I think... So I think, first of all, the transition to medical student from working so hard in 2017, there was an important transition because we didn't know if we would get into medicine straight away. Okay. So uh, it might be a, a unique situation, but it probably applies to at least one person listening. We did discuss what would happen if I didn't get into medicine. Okay. Yes. And I would say to my father, well, look, you know, you're paying, you, you're bankrolling this. Mm. I, he paid me a salary. Oh, Every month, nice. yeah, because I was earning a salary before then, yes. and he said, "Look, I'll pay you a salary. You can still pay your bond. All this." That's cool. Um, and I said to him, "What if it takes me three years?" Mm. And he's like, "Well, it takes you three years." You That's know, nice. his commitment was to support. Yes. He didn't put any conditions on it. Um, so when we actually got in, excuse me, well, my my wife and I would say, you know, we have now gotten in. We have sacrificed a lot to get here, but we can never make back time. Mm. We can always make make back money. Yes. So, so for example, we decided to move closer to the medical school because I was driving two hours each way from four ways to Vitz Medical School. That's crazy. And leaving her with three small children, yes. and she was like, "You did this for a year. <laughs> yeah. That's enough now." <laughs> so, um, okay. so we said, "Look, we although we had all of our equity invested mm. in our house, we can always make." more money back but we can never make back time time. and that time with our kids so we took a couple of decisions that cost us financially but in hindsight the unit that we have as a family was strengthened we can always make back that money you know so that was the first transition to medical students and when you are a medical student there is pressure to pass exams Mm -hmm. and the very elite few will go on to get distinctions and cum laude after their degree. But for the vast majority of students, there won't be accolades and distinctions. And that's okay. Mm. Because in 10 years' time, when you're a practicing doctor in whatever field you you are uh, practicing in, no one is going to say, what did you get on your third-year neuro exam? (laughs) 
You know what I'm saying? Fair enough. You, fair enough. And, and you can actually go on to become a neurosurgeon mm. and have neuro as your worst block in medical yeah. school. So while there is the pressure to achieve while yes. you're at medical school, while you do need to pass all your courses, please don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Yes. Don't think that I'm saying by all means be asynchronous and just fail and yeah. you know, be the just bottom of the class. Um, however, in my case, for example, I know that I could have gone on to get a distinction, okay. but at what cost? Yes. The amount of work that it took to get a very good pass, yes. all of my years, all of my courses, I got above 75%. So I got a first-class university pass, Yes. but our degree counted 80 as a distinction. Okay. So when I got 79 in my final year, I was like, oh, I almost so got a distinction. Close, yeah. However... The amount of work to get 75% mm. in order to get 85%, you would have had to double that work. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so. so that's when you start saying, is it really worth the extra effort mm. to have a higher symbol yes. on your report card? Yes. Obviously, um, you had many things going in that moment as well. Obviously, time with the fam and also with your wife, who is definitely a pillar, like in your story already. Yeah. I think yeah. you had to. She's make earned an honorary doctorate on the own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's so that so that was the transition. Okay. Um, now more to your question about the transition from medical student to intern. Mm. Um, <clears throat> having had nine years of working experience mm -hmm. uh, in the big bad world yeah. um, before medical school, I mean, I worked at a church for nine years. Yes. Um, when we worked at church, we did whatever what was whatever was required. Yes. So there was no argument of this isn't within my description okay. uh, or my, my this isn't within my responsibilities yes. we just did whatever was needed yes. and I think that really prepared me well for medical school and for internship okay. because internship is hard like nothing else in your life mm -hmm. you go from being a student where there is very little responsibility other than your marks okay. you can make mistakes and you're fully supervised to now you are the doctor mm. and you need to know stuff and you need to work for 30 hours. I, I laugh because as, as students, they go, oh, I have another call <laughs> until 8 p.m. And, and 8 p.m. is like halfway for us. <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> you know, yeah. you've, been working, you've been working since 7 a.m. You're yeah. going to be there till 7, 7 a.m. the next day. And they go, oh, sure, I'm so tired at 8 p.m. You're like, it's like, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. I still have you 11 hours now. to go. <laughs> yeah. um, so that is, that is the big jump. Okay. I think having had a job before really prepared me well. Mm. Um, some of my colleagues, I've said this before on the podcast, some of my colleagues have never had a job before and it shows. Okay. All right, so they're not prepared <laughs> because, nicely. You know, no, even little things like um, administrative issues, you okay. know, paperwork issues. That's common to every organization, IT issues. Yes. Um, and it's very important that you recognize the culture of the place that you work in mm -hmm. and when a culture is healthy okay. and when a culture should be challenged. Okay. okay. So, so that, that's the other thing is that uh, as an intern, um, it's very difficult to go in and try and change everything. Right. So, so maybe don't do that. <laughs> But recognize what's a healthy culture and, and buy into that culture. Okay. Do they then still treat you sort of as a student, as an intern? So they, they basically still grooming you. It's still a process of learning. It's still a process of you know, finding your feet as well. Correct. I, I agree 100% with your understanding there. 
And I want to uh, kind of build on it by saying that becoming a doctor, getting your, uh, at this it's called an MBBCH, but at other universities, your MBC or MCHBU, yes. um, getting that degree is actually a license to learn okay. rather than a license to practice. Your okay. MP number, that's your that. license to practice medicine. <laughs> okay. um, I'm actually extremely grateful for internship because I don't feel like I learned nearly enough at medical school okay. everything comes at you so fast yes there is a huge volume of work to get drowning. through no it's massive it's yeah. it's incredible um and even to the point where in third year we were learning guidelines that by the time we got to fifth year in yes. clinical practice they had revised the guidelines oh, lovely um <clears throat> so it's always moving it's always changing sometimes it's site specific as well okay um and so i'm grateful for internship because you really get to apply knowledge mm-hmm. and you get to learn things that they weren't able to fit into the curriculum. Okay. Uh, sometimes it's really practical things like how to sell your scan. Yeah. You nice. know, <laughs> you're a salesman, you have to pitch to radiology oh, why wow. your CT is very urgent. <laughs> okay, man of many um, traits then at the end yeah. of the degree. That's cool. Um, other, otherwise, it's other things like, um, let me think of a practical example. Um, oh, here's a practical example. Never give... Um, pethidine intravenously undiluted. Okay. Because if you gave pethidine just out of the ampule, yeah. you cause a local histamine reaction. Oh, wow. So you always dilute it. Otherwise, those veins are going to be just flaming red, right? <laughs> okay. And the patient's going to be like, ah, oh, this is really itchy. So those are practical things that, mm. and you think, where would you put that into the curriculum? Yes. You can't really. I was just know? about to say, I, <laughs> that sounds very cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's good it's knowledge to have. Learn. Yeah, yes. things you learn. Um, Sometimes there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so one um, supervisor will say to you, hey, this is one trick I've learned for putting mm-hmm. in a CVP. Another person will say, I, I use this technique. And then you just see what works for you. Yes. You know? Is it an awkward question to ask? Do you get excited when you see a reaction like that? Obviously, you, you have to be panicky. But in my, like, if I had to be in that situation, I'd be like, oh, no, this is happening. But I'd say it probably with a smile because I've just learned something yeah. new. Does that happen often where you... It's, it is cool when you see something, uh, when you see a new clinical sign mm. or where you see something that you've read in a textbook um, or something that you, you that you know is rare. Yeah. Like we had a phirochromosotoma, you know, and you know that that's rare. That's so rare. everyone kind of gathered around this 29-year-old <laughs> like hypertensive. Ooh. Um, hi. <laughs> um, but if it happens to a patient, especially if it's your fault, mm-hmm. you don't feel good. Okay. Um, 99% of the time, if something goes wrong, um, the patient will be fine. Okay. So you don't actually hurt the patient. Yes. And the 1% that you do, it's, it's generally mild. Okay. But things can go wrong. Things can go wrong. You know, um, and then you drive home and you, wow, like, what did okay. I do? How do you um, handle that? How do you personally get through that? So you're assuming that I've made mistakes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay so, so let's just establish... Um, yes, I have made mistakes before. <laughs> Did anyone die? No. no. Did anyone have lasting damage? I hope not. Yeah, 99%, <laughs> <yeah>. Cool. <laughs> um, but there, yeah, there, there have been times where you go like, oh my gosh, that could have ended badly. Okay. Um, but that's why you have to have checks and balances in place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why you need internship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's meant to be supervised practice. Yes. So when you do fluff your lines a bit okay. and do something <laughs> wrong, your supervisors can say, look, that was bad, but mm. you've done it once. Okay. Um, I think making a mistake once is forgivable. Yes. 
if you make a mistake twice, now it's on purpose. Yes. Um, I'm looking for that reaction. Like <laughs> you want to see the cool? <laughs> yeah. Watch this, guys. <laughs> Watch what happens to this vein. Um, yeah, so, so learn from your mistakes. Hopefully they are few. Okay. But when they happen, you will never forget those mistakes. So we learn through doing. You know, we, we say, see one, do one, teach one. If that is the philosophy in our hospitals, there's bound to be Mistakes. some collateral. <laughs> yeah, it does sound pretty intense. Eh? Yeah. Uh, as, a, as a second year student, you know, yes. I know you're itching <laughs> to get into the hospital. Yeah. And the first time you see clubbing, oh man, wow, look at those nails. Oh, Shamrock's window. Um, after the fifth pair of drumstick fingers, you're like, okay. <laughs> I've seen know, this. Yeah. Okay. Um, but that's that's what experience is, mm. you know, is that instead of getting giddy about the moment that you heard, now you're going, okay, is this pan-systolic? Is this mid-systolic? Oh, well, what's the other sound that I'm hearing? Oh, wow. okay. So, so th- mm. you know, the experience is now training you to not freak out when you hear something. Yes, when you hear something different. Because patients will tell you stuff yeah. that the normal person would be like, <laughs> you would just be like, oh, cool. <laughs> you start writing scandalous books about the things that you've heard in the oh, world. Right. So people just open up to you proper. Yeah. Okay. And, and, <clears throat> I mean, it doesn't take long in, in, even as a student, you know, you say to patients, anything that we discuss stays between you and me. Yes. This is not for everyone to, to know. Um, you have to earn patient trust. Mm. And once you have that, uh, you'll be amazed at how good your history is. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, you know, leading on to that now again, the Dr. Coffee podcast. I, know I had to put that in somewhere here, yeah. right? What, what actually led you to want to do it? What actually made you start this podcast? Good question. Okay. So let's talk about the, the why of the podcast. Before okay. we talk about the names. Nice. So um, if you asked me in fifth year, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. My answer would have been different to if you had asked me in third year yes. what I want to do. And at the start of medical school, whether you're straight out of matric or uh, you're coming into something like GEMP, everyone says to you, what do you want to specialize in? Even though very few of us are going mm. to specialize, the vast majority of us are going to be uh, general practitioners or possibly even do something completely non-clinical in yeah. medicine. Um, only a small percentage of people go on to, uh, to specialize and okay. only a very small percentage become those like super specialists, you know, the okay. pediatric, orthopedic, oh, wow. abdominal <laughs> surgeon. <Mouthful>. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, uh, the, the podcast started because I didn't know what I wanted to do okay. in medicine. I was feeling, gosh, I've now gone through this five-year process very quickly. And in five years' time, I'm going to be making decisions about what I want to do in medicine for the rest of my life. Because I've got two years of internship, one year of community service, and then possibly two years of MO time, gaining experience um, to to lay a foundation for my career. Seeing more clubbing. (laughs) But but this is the thing. The five years went really quickly. Mm. So I knew that those five years of work experience is going to go very fast. And I didn't feel like I have time to lose. Um, At the time that I graduated, so I had people who were consultants who were marking my exams, who were classmates of mine at high school. Oh, my. (laughs) And I bumped into the consultant, uh, Dr. Nazir Ali, at at St. John's Eye Hospital. He's now an ophthalmologist. Yeah. Uh, We got chatting and he said, yo, bro, 
I can remember your 15th birthday party. Oh my, that's so cool. And, oh, I mean, it's it very <laughs> cool, but he's earning a salary that's and driving a luxury, I'm sure it's a German car, you know. He's yeah. a consultant, and here I am as the lowly fifth year getting marked <laughs> by him. So, so that was the challenge, was mm. do I want to be 40 and still trying to work out where I fit in? So there was a great podcast in the States uh, called The Undifferentiated Medical Student. Okay. and That's one everybody can listen to. Yeah, so, and it still exists on Spotify. And I had listened to it a few times, um, listened to the episodes that I found interesting. Yeah. And what the, what the interviewer did, he was a medical student. He interviewed these consultants about what their day-to-day was like mm. and what their decision algorithm was that led to that specialty. Okay. Um, excuse me. So I thought that's an interesting concept. Mm. I want to do the same, mostly for my benefit. Yes. So anyone who gets benefit, that's second. Quite selfish then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that podcast was very American-centric. Mm. So they spoke about step one, step two, step three. They spoke okay. about MD and DO, um, Caribbean medical schools versus you know, inland okay. medical schools. Um, so and, they, and their fellowship programs are different to ours. So So – Really, if if that was helpful, it was only helpful to a point. You know, the way that they practice medicine in America is very different to here. Um, so I thought I could take the best of that and marry it with the best of our own South African context and come up with something that's useful for me. Yes. Um, I'm, <laughs> you know, I, I am doing it for me. I'm learning so much through the process. Um, there's a lot that you learn that is not taught in medical school. Mm-hmm. For example, no one discusses when the right time to do ATLS, ACLS, PELS, and all those courses is. No one tells you how much MO time you need in yes. different areas before you can be considered for a registrar post. Everyone thinks that the normal trajectory is yes. you finish ComServe, then you apply for an MO post, and then you get a reg post, and that's the way it should, that's the way it should be theoretically, yeah. but it's not like that. Okay. In, in reality, you have sometimes 200 people applying for six posts. Oh, wow. You know, depending on what okay. the suspect is, obviously. I, at first, I didn't want to be known because okay. I, I'm not representative of most medical students. Like, if you took a 37-year-old white male, mm. that's kind of an atypical graduate from med yeah, school. you do stand out. You know, oh. my, med, my medical school class was predominantly female. I'd say it was about 55% female, 45% male. And maybe 60% uh, black African and then a sizable majority, a sizable portion of the rest were uh, Indian or Muslim, a small minority were Jewish, but like very few white Afrikaans, for example. And I, I, I understand that that's a VITS. Okay? Yes. Like VITS is a different kind of pool than mm. uh, Tux or mm. Stellenbosch, for example. But that doesn't negate the fact that I am an outlier. You know, I had very <laughs> few people in my class who were older than me. And okay. lots of people half my age. <laughs> I was getting invited to 21sts again. It was weird. That must have been crazy. Yeah, I <laughs> know. No, it was fun to a point, and then you realize, like, I'm getting old. <laughs> um, anyway, so it was kind of to allude to my beginnings mm-hmm. in the coffee shop. Okay. Because I do believe that I had to take that detour of nine years. Mm to become the right person to make the most of the opportunity when it came. I don't regret working in church for a single day. Um, every single day that I worked there, I felt like I had purpose. I felt like I was fulfilling God's call in my life. I, I really enjoyed it. Mm. So it was not wasted. 
With that, we end part one of our conversation with Dr. Simon Fraser. Be on the lookout for part two of our chat next week when we discuss the life of an intern in a little more detail. If you are listening to this on a podcast platform, please leave a review and rating. And if you'd like to keep up to date with any podcast news, be sure to follow us on Instagram at medically underscore inclined underscore podcast. I'd also love to hear your feedback. So if you have any comments about the episodes, you can email me at medicallyinclinedpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, and share to those that you feel would benefit from this episode. Can't wait to see you for the next one.